0: Hey there, this is Lewis Johnson taking my love of sports into the world of esports. So I'm breaking down what's happening in the esports industry, talking with great guests, influencers, and tracking their personal and professional journeys to see how all of that has influenced where they are now. And in the end, I hope you're inspired. And so with that, welcome to All In with Esports. Okay, everybody, welcome back to another edition of All In With Esports. You know, we have this uh, phrase, this motto, if it's about esports, it matters to us, and that is so true, and we believe that on a local, national, and global level. I'm saying that for a reason, you'll understand in just a minute, And if any of you are uh, kind of familiar with me or my work or the spirit in which I work, you know that I have a love for travel. I mean, I've I've always loved it. Okay. And I mean, airplanes, hotels, all of it. I love it all. And uh, visiting the many different global destinations, diving into culture. I love that. I'm not a hotel guy. I'm going to sit there and just kind of hang out and and waste time. I want to get out and see what's going on, taste the food, meet people. That's it. And that really was uh, something that was fed to me through my track and field career And that's continued over the last 25 years uh, plus in television. I mean, flights, I'm talking short flights, long haul destinations, whatever it is, I'm in on a plane, I'm ready to go. As a matter of fact, if you look at the top of my Twitter page, at Lewis Johnson, MG for media group, you're going to see this beautiful airplane. It's a, it's a Dassault Falcon 7X. All right. It's fly-by-wire technology, just beautiful. I won't even try to explain that. You can look it up later, but it's a three engine intercontinental private jet. And I swear to you, I could be happy <laughs> sitting in the right seat as, as the co-pilot. I'd be happy sitting in the left seat if I earned that to be the captain. And of course, as a uh, in the back as a passenger, I'd love that. But we're only talking about 56, 57 million. So I'm not quite there yet, but let's keep the dream big, right? So on the, the other very significant element, I think for me and always will be, is, is a love for humanity, culture, the stories of the people I meet and cover through sport. That is the fuel for why I do what I do other than doing what I do to take care of my family. And now eSports is a continuation for both of those passions, travel, culture, people, meeting people, storytelling. And this, as most of you know, is a global movement. eSports is growing big time. We're talking across multiple platforms. And you don't need to worry about the stats right now. They're changing all the time. But just take in another global story that I'm going to present to you today here. And in this episode, it's a, it's a real pleasure to speak with my guest, who's in Sweden running his second successful company, Challenger Mode. So, so what is that? Who is that company? Well, from right from their advertising and information, Challenger Mode is a leading European grassroots esports platform, working to make esports accessible to everyone. The platform enables anyone to play to host and monetize esports competitions, making it easy for gamers of any skill level to come together and compete. I love that, any skill level coming together. I like that right there. They've arranged uh, millions of tournaments for millions of players, carving out major European success. And Challenger Mode just launched in North America on yesterday, so that's exciting. As for the CEO and co-founder, Robel Ephraim, who is going to be on here in just a second, he has really just an incredibly impressive resume. He speaks four languages, all right? There's a, there's a cultural story behind that, which we'll talk about. He's been nominated for the Young Entrepreneur of the Year three times, all right? That's a great award. And he's founded two companies in the last 10 years, the first which resulted in a successful exit. And then the second, which is Challenger Mode, which he received a substantial investment from Alibaba with other investors, including Talia Ventures, GP Bullhound, back in black capital, Swedish soccer players Latan Ibra- Ibrahimović. I practiced that six times. Anyway, Challenger Mode itself is really a, a strong company, and it is my absolute pleasure to welcome in Robel Ephraim from Sweden. How are you, Robel? Hey, Louis. I'm good. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Listen, I appreciate your time and it's, it's great to have you on here. And as I mentioned, as someone who loves to travel, I think back to my days on the track and field circuit. And when we spoke yesterday, uh, I was talking to you about the times that I came over to run in Malmo, Sweden, but we had to land in Copenhagen, Denmark. And then we take the hovercraft across the, that body of water to Malmo. I also experienced the World Outdoor Track and Field Championships in Gothenburg, Sweden in 1995, but I never made it to Stockholm. So I'm just curious from you, you know, what is life like there? What did I miss? In Stockholm.
1: Well, in the summer, it's the best place on earth. You know, beautiful weather. Nature is, you know, really close to the city environment. You know, it's you know it's a basically Silicon Valley, but in a very condensed, you know, area. Lots of tech businesses, lots of good food, lots of partying, once again, in the summer. In the winter, it's sort of like the opposite though.
0: Mm-hmm. Things are kind of quiet, right? But business rolls on as it is right now. I mentioned also that you speak four languages, Norwegian, English, Spanish, Swedish. And then there's another native language, which I think comes from Eritrea, which is where your family's from. Tell us the story of your family and how you came from there to Sweden.
1: Yeah, yeah. So my parents and and I were born in Eritrea. We left that country as refugees. I came to Stockholm, Sweden when I was a few months old. And uh, so the the original plan was actually to to get to the U.S. But when when we came here, my father just just loved it, and uh, we decided to to stay.
0: I see. And so it is home for you now. Is that right? Yes. That's awesome. Are you familiar with any other uh, refugees athletes who left that country and 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 moved somewhere around the world to compete and do things at a high level? It's one name in particular I'm thinking about. You have Have you ever heard? You've heard of Meb Uh No, I I haven't. Okay, so Meb is as he's known in America, really around the world. It has a similar story. He and his family uh his mom and dad brought him to the states, uh, their family to the states, and they all went to school here and what have you. But Meb is an incredible runner as a matter of fact, he won the two thousand four Olympic silver medal in the marathon, and he is a rock star, I mean a big time rock star rebelled here in America, but Meb is one of those stories that brought the name Eritrea to the united states and 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 uh, he's very proud to be from that country, but he's also proud to be here in America. And I believe he's American now, but another great story. And and he is a guy that I think at some point you should meet. He is super. His family's super. I know his brother, uh, who is his agent, and they're just great guys. But sports is always a big thing that connects and ties companies, uh, people together for sure. And I know that's what I love about all of it. So uh, speaking of that, early sports for you. Tell me about your early life in sports, soccer, and even some American football, you told me. <laughs>
1: Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a small sport, especially here here in Europe. But yeah, I, I started up playing soccer and you know, I started at a very, very young age. And then I sort of switched to American football. I played as a wide receiver for a while and then I switched to becoming a cornerback playing defense. Mm. So once uh, again, very, very small sport, but super fun.
0: Yeah. And so were there clubs over there that were playing American football? And that's how you got connected with it?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they have I think it's like three three divisions. So I played at the highest. Also, even played at national in the national team. Weighed a few pounds more than I do right now, but <laughs> yeah, it, was, it was definitely definitely a fun time.
0: Yeah, I have the same issue, Robel. I weigh a few pounds more than I did when I ran track and field, but I think it's all good. So <laughs> so so let's talk about your first connection to gaming and esports. What was happening when you were growing up with your brothers, and 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 how were you guys getting connected to the to the gaming world?
1: Yeah, I mean, so so I have uh, two two brothers, one younger sister, so one older brother, and then one one younger. Pretty pretty, you know, competitive nature to sort of environment to grow up in. We love you know playing computer games, and I mean, we we only had you know one computer, so there was this sort of race, you know, like who, whoever came home the fastest from school, you know, got to get the computer, and yeah, I mean, that that was sort of like how how I got thrown into the sort of you know gaming environment and that sort of you know stayed with me for, for quite some time and you know it's it's still with me now
0: I see and what was your first 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 love in terms of a game what did you play I played FIFA Oh yeah I see Alrighty. And then, and then it was time for you to, to go on to school. You went to Stockholm university, which is, I'm assuming is right there in town to study uh, computer science and, and, and political science. So what were you in pursuit of there? Was gaming already kind of a part of what you were thinking about when you, when you went to school?
1: Not really. So, so I, I started out sort of my, my career while being in school. So I, I released my first app, like very simplified, it was it was a text messaging app that sort of, you know, made it possible for you to schedule your text messages. So you can send it now, but it would arrive like an hour or weeks later. That sort of resulted uh, in me sort of not attending school because I was, I was making enough money to sort of not, you know, feel it was as, as necessary mm-hmm. uh, either. My grades were, were sort of starting to, to sort of suffer from that. And you know eventually that, that was sort of like how the idea for for my second company started out, where I sort of built this streaming platform that made it possible for universities to you know in, in a very simple way stream their lectures to
0: each student's sort of
1: devices at home
0: right yeah, yeah. And, and when you when you brought up this idea to professors about this idea of recording lectures and and streaming them or what have you what what did, what, did they receive that well or was it pushback or they didn't get it or what was the reaction?
1: I mean, I I don't think they knew what was sort of possible, like tech tech wise. I asked them like if, if, if you know they could start recording you know their lectures and you know I felt they felt it was you know quite a hassle. So I just decided to build it myself and uh, yeah, like the, the the University of Stockholm ended up buying it and then a few more schools sort of jumped on. The, the, it wasn't sort of like the best idea to to start you know start a company. You know, as a startup, and, and then have you know public institutions as your first customers. You know, the sales cycles were incredibly long, and you know it w- was my first real company, so I, I wasn't that experienced. But while doing that, you know, I, I, I sort of uh, played a lot of games uh, because I, I sort of found out that it was the cheapest way for me to kill time during weekends
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, because I needed to save money, you know, to to, to fund the company, and that was sort of how the idea. Of challenge mode was, was sort of you know born because i i, I realized i probably spent a few thousand hours you know becoming really good at a game called league of legends which i still love and i came to this point where i just wanted to find a, a quick and accessible way for me to convert my thousands hours of, of what i saw was training into something more tangible and yeah the options out there back then in 2014 they were just extremely arcane and you know inaccessible. So I, you know, I decided to do it my myself as, as soon as I was allowed to, and uh, which was after the acquisition or one year after the acquisition of, of my first company.
0: Right. So for the entrepreneurs who are listening, I think it's important to step back and and, and maybe put a little bit more light on something you said. You were, you were at Stockholm University from 2009 to 2013, and it was within that time that you started this first company that you talked about, Intellect AB. But you said you didn't think it was a good idea to start a company then, but did you mean that, or was it not a, not a good idea to have public institutions as your first you know, client? I mean, a lot of people think about starting a company when they're in school. Sometimes they're applying their knowledge for a project that's going to be a real world program. So where do you stand on that? So people listening can understand what they should think about doing or not doing.
1: Yeah. So it's, it's definitely a good time uh, to start a company while being at school. Good thing you you cleared that out. Um, it, it wasn't, at least according to me, a good idea to start a company who sort of had public institutions as their sort of only customer. You know, at least the way things work here here in Sweden, you you need to do public tenders, and it's it's really hard uh, to win those because you sort of you know like this set the, the baseline requirements uh, really really high to, to make it hard for uh, startups to 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 win those tenders. So,
0: right. Mm. That was- I see, and then there's the other element of of our audience here. We have a lot of uh, folks who are parents of young kids who are getting them through high school and then thinking about this transition to college. And you know, as a parent myself of two boys, I think about the conversations and energy and money we spend on preparation for college, and then getting in and starting. And then I heard you say that you know you were spending so much time on your business that the grades begin to suffer or what have you. And I often think that sometimes parents just put these blinders on and I know I did for a little bit but I have I've had a very different life that if someone is in school and they're finding success in something that they're doing and they're making money at it isn't that why you went to school in the first place you know it's like a, it's like an athlete who's who is who's got great potential and and has a chance to leave early after 2 years uh, didn't you go to school to make a money if, if you got a chance to leave early and go do it don't you do that was that the mentality you had? Is like, listen, I've got this thing going; it's making money, and grades are suffering. But I'm here to make money. Is was that your attitude?
1: Yeah, but but like, to 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 be fair, there, you know, that's that's still a you know uh, discussion that I'm that I'm having with my parents. You know, it's, it's we don't see eye to eye on, their, on that. Okay,
0: still to this day. Yeah. <laughs> wow, wow. So even with your success of the first company and now Challenger Mode, which is now expanded to the U.S., you're still discussing what happened back in college. You know.
1: I I think so we are
0: hmm. and as a parent how will you how will you approach that at some point
1: that's a good question so i think i'm leaning towards your your sort of way of seeing things i think the purpose of sort of going to school is to sort of find your place you know in in a world that is you know ever changing and you know, a lot of things can happen you know during the 3 or 5 years you're, you know you're, you're 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 studying and i and i think that the purpose of you know the school system should be to sort of prepare you for whatever sort of the the future you
0: know um yeah. Ask for you. yeah and so with challenger mode you have you have built a platform now that again has done very well there and now you've expanded to the united states and congrats on that i'm just curious to know for people who are not familiar with your company what are the most important tenets challenger mode and what type of a culture have you built to provide this platform for people that can now begin to experience it globally mm-hmm.
1: I mean, so, so to start with, we've you know we've had you know really high standards in terms of you know building the team. I think in the company we were we were representing you know ex Googlers, Spotify, Skype, slash Microsoft, uh, and a few few other sort of Swedish tech companies uh, that you might not have heard of. Clarice is, is one. We're we're you know past six years, I think we've lost two. Two, two employees. Uh, both of them be- became parents or, or fathers. You know, we were paying too, too little money for them to sort of stick around. But other than that, you know, we're, we're now 45 people. You now, most of them have you know, been with us since, since the start. And I, th- I think culture is super important. You know, the, the, the product is ultimately going to be a reflection of, you know, whoever's working at the company. So it's, it's just been extremely important for us to, to build a health, healthy culture.
0: Yeah, well, when we were talking, used an analogy which I thought was pretty strong. I mean, you said that you wanted to build a platform for people to get in and and really become the best at what they would do, and and you said that if if someone wants to become the next Reggie Bush, or uh, like in football, or the Usain Bolt in track and field of gaming, then they can join a team and 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 get the training and preparation they need to become a pro athlete. And, and is that also a part of this platform that you've built here?
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, just as you said, right, like if, if, if you want to become the next ready Bush, like you, you basically know, you know, what you need to do, right? Like the sort of the the, the road of progression is, is quite clear. When it comes to esports, it's, it's not as clear, it's very unstructured, very mm-hmm. fragmented. So the idea behind challenge modes is essentially to, to build and provide the necessary backbone infrastructure to allow, you know, tournament organizers, you know, to essentially structure the the amateur to pro esports scene and by doing that making it possible for any gamer to to take their passion to the next level.
0: That's awesome. So we're speaking with uh, Robel F from the CEO of Challenger Mode in Stockholm, Sweden, here on All In with Esports. Great conversation about a, a an awesome platform that has expanded to the United States literally this week. So when we were speaking yesterday about this conversation today, I asked you about this and you said actually we launched like twenty or thirty minutes ago. So. What what sort of satisfaction is that, and then what's your intent for for how Challenger Mobile now began to move across the United States?
1: Yeah, I mean it's it's definitely been been a long time coming. I mean, we've been operating for almost six years now and uh, preparing for this uh, moment. In North and South America is going to be you know very important markets. I think it's the biggest market in terms of revenue, but also like in terms of actual size. Right? I think it's like hundred and hundred and it's at 150 million people that play games, I think. So the potential is huge and we've done what we can to sort of prepare the platform for that audience. The plan was actually to, to have, you know, our own boots on the ground as well. But sort of, you know, COVID happened and we, we've now built
0: the team locally. instead. Is that. Yep, and uh, th- it's a question that I'm asking every guest. You know how COVID has affected not just the business bottom line. Of course, that's been a been a serious effect because you can't have these live events, which is a, a big part of the sports culture. But it's also forced or given people the time to push forward, maybe faster on technology, on planning, things like that. What about for you guys? How have you used this COVID downtime to your advantage, maybe?
1: Mm. So, so what we've seen is that we've seen a growing numbers a number of organizers sort of revising their digital strategy and essentially taking their first step into the sports field. I think I think our or one of our biggest clients is, is FIFA, right? So the, the sports organization and the Suric who are now doing the, the FIFA e World Cup on our platform. Wow. Uh, and you know the philosophy there is quite simple, right? Like they they shouldn't have to build the actual soccer arena in order to host their competitions. The the, the arena should be there. It should be state of the art. And we're sort of providing that for the likes of them. So, yeah.
0: yeah, that that's great. So, yeah, just we've, I've just heard this on a lot of conversations, how there've been people have really advanced themselves. I'm wondering also to you, I ask you about culture within your organization, but in terms of the culture, I'm talking about the globe. One of the things that's critically important to us here at MAP Esports Network and what we're doing as we build out our platform is making sure that we have a strong reach into our communities and especially our disadvantaged communities. So the weekend we're gonna be building some venues where people can come in and play games. Those are now under construction in terms of their planning or what have you. We're super excited about it. But the value of those locations will not be just as a pacifier, a band-aid of time to put kids in front of computers to play, but to expose them to the stem and steam of the industry. How can they learn how to become an engineer or artist or you know, even a lawyer, whatever it may be, all these different areas within the esports world? What do you think is imp- what's important to you? I mean, for someone like you who came from your country to Sweden and it made yourself a home and you've built this great company and you're expanding. What's what are the values in terms of your wanting to reach to the community and give all people a chance to expose, uh, be exposed to the sport and maybe learn more to do around it, other than just play the games?
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, talking from my own experience, you know, I learned English through through games. Wow, uh, and I'm not, you know, I'm not saying I'm, I'm I have the best English here, but you know, I, I, I'm definitely you know, ish fluent, and you know, it's 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 quite. Uh, common now at least where I'm, where I'm from that you know that's that's how you sort of learn to communicate with people from other cultures with you know, you know other languages and you just you just do that at a very young age and I think gaming is just, you know a really good way for you know especially the, the younger audience to sort of transcend the boundaries of, of you know the language barriers but by just ex- exposing those people with each other I'm not sure if I answered that question correctly but you
0: did. You did. Absolutely. Because, I mean, the most powerful thing you said was that you actually learned English through the game. I mean, that's extremely powerful. You know, it, it it's pretty incredible what I've learned about being around this industry of how much it's touching people. But that is crazy that you learned English through the game. And of course, that means that million, thousands of millions of others are picking up language through the game. So maybe we can become even closer somehow as as humanity through Gaming, as we uh, continue to see this this industry grow, or what have you. When you when you think about what's going to happen here in the United States with challenger mode moving forward, I can't con- uh, forget to to think about the Olympics, and that's where I you know that's my world. I love to be around the games. I've done ten Tokyo, will be eleven if we can get there with COVID. Do you foresee uh, a way for uh, gaming to be associated with the Olympics? I mean, I don't know if it'll ever be an Olympic sport. They've been kind of clear about that, but. What do you think could be some of the options uh, or connections to the Olympic Games and gaming?
1: I, I definitely think, you know, there's a way for gaming to be, you know, to, to play some part uh, in that. I'm not sure if it's necessary for the success of of sort of the growth of gaming or esports mm-hmm. uh, as an industry. I think I think, you know, we've demonstrated that we like don't really need that that kind of approval you know but it would definitely be something that would be appreciated i think uh, by the entire community
0: yeah yeah i i think so too and i agree i don't think esports needs it olympic approval i don't think the olympics uh, need esports per se but i think they could both work side by side you know i'm standing i'm sitting in that track and field venue every four years and it is electric The, the moments that happen in there you talked about usain bolt It's unexplainable to be able to sit there and watch those things happen. And I think about the application of actual games where you could be, you know, playing your own Olympic game, 100 meters, 200, 400 shot put discus, whatever it may be right on the game and keep people engaged. I think the biggest thing is to keep people engaged with the games and and with the Olympic movement and the values and ideals uh, all year round. So just a thought. Just wonder about that. All right. We talked about a lot of serious stuff, but I was talking about my love for travel and and I, I can't believe I never got to Stockholm. And so if I if I were to uh, somehow procure that fifty six million dollar Falcon trijet, that seven X that's on my Twitter page and I was going to fly over from Dallas to Stockholm, where would be some of the places you take me over a weekend? Where would we go? Where would we go? What would we do? Mm.
1: All right. So, so we would we would definitely stop by the. Archipelago, I think it's called, right? We would would probably do do dinner. Yeah, I'm I'm just gonna say say some names, but yeah, I'm it's
0: all right. I'll look them up later. Yeah, and we'll, so will the audience. <laughs> yeah,
1: we'll do dinner at at, at Rish famous uh, Swedish place that have really good meatballs. And then you know when the night sort of arrives, you know we'll, we would would probably have some drinks at uh, Spy Bar.
0: Spy Bar, okay, that's the spot, huh? That's the spot. Okay. Great, great. You know, the, the unfortunate part of this interview is that I can see you, but the fans can't. You know, the, the, the guy, and I can see the smile on your face. Something, something about Spy Bar, that's a good spot. <laughs> 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 we'll leave that for another time, but that sounds great. Are you guys pretty cold, pretty chilly right now during the wintertime? I mean, is it tough to get around snow? What's it like?
1: Yeah, yeah. It's, it's been pretty, pretty hard to, to get by. It's start, starting to get warmer now, though, and uh, much. Former, it was like a lot. You know, a week ago, we didn't see the sun for, for about a month. In, in wow! Kansas. So we're, we're
0: pretty pale. All right. Well, then that means you need to make a trip to the United States. And so with this expansion of Challenger mode, and I believe you said you're going to be based in the Santa Monica area. How often do you think you'll be coming stateside to to visit and see what's happening, and and give us all a chance to meet you and talk to you in person at some point?
1: Yeah, I'm I'm uh, I'm counting on being there at least at least once or twice per quarter.
0: Very good. Very good. Well, um, this has been a great conversation. And I just want to say thanks again for taking time to give us uh, some uh, insight into your story, your journey. I think it's gonna be great for our audience to continue to uh, hear these stories of people in the industry, not just here in America, but around the world. That's my connection to all this. And I love it. So um, Robel, Ephraim, thank you so much for your time, man. I really appreciate it. It
1: Louis, it was my pleasure.
0: Great, great. And I can't wait to come there and visit. And I mean that. I'm not just saying that. I will mean that. I, I come to Paris three or four times a year and I will jump on a plane and come over and, and hang out with you. And, and Spy Bar has got to be a part of the visit. All right. You won't forget it. Okay, sounds good. All right, that's uh, Robel from the CEO of Challenger Mode based in Stockholm, Sweden. Don't you love that kind of stuff? Man, this is what I love is being able to talk to people from all, all parts of the world and just get an idea of what's happening in this industry. So uh, make sure you go to challengermode.com. Again, they're making it possible for competitive gamers to get a pro player experience and to be rewarded for their skill and effort in competitive computer games with prizes and merchandise and money, challengermode.com. So it's pretty cool. So once again, I want to thank you for being a part of this episode, All In With Esports. Uh, Make sure you check us out on esportsfuturide.com. Of course, the Twitter page, I see some of you interacting there. That's so cool. Thank you so much. And then Facebook, of course, we can be reached there. I always have to shout out our uh, podcast team. Thanks to Aaron, Sia, and AJ at Innovation Media Enterprises. And of course, we have other great podcasts uh, that are on this uh, platform. I'm doing a lot of storytelling, but we've got uh, the future of marketing and esports with Rebecca Langawa. She's awesome. John Davidson, the DLC drop podcast. He's talking business, he's talking everything esports. And then our latest edition is esports easing podcast hosted by our esports future editor in chief. Chantel Boucher, she's something else. You got to make sure you listen to hers. All of us are going to be right here talking esports all the time. Of course, much more original programming. I'm going to have to get to Stockholm, I think, at some point and not just hang out with Ephraim and, and talk with him and meet his team and see what's going on, but also kind of get a sense of what esports is looking like there. I love to visit the venues, see what they're up to. And, 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 and do like an international feature and bring that to you. Okay. So bottom line, you know me, I, I just hope that you've been inspired today by this discussion and let's talk again soon on all in with esports. Take care, everybody. Hey, thanks so much for listening to All In With Esports. Now, don't forget to subscribe to your favorite podcast channel, and we would love to hear from you about this or any other shows on the Esports Future Eye Network.